Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. We're going to be talking about all things business growth, brain rewiring, and climbing from a holistic point of view. You can learn more about me and follow me over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching and on my website, ladybetacoaching.com. You'll also find freebies for building your business, brain rewiring, and training for climbing. I am so excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to dive into today's interview with Sammy. It was so good. You guys, I'm telling you, it was super good. So if you've heard anything that I do with brain rewiring, I think that the conversation that Sammy and I had is really similar to some of the components of brain rewiring. And it is just such a brilliant way to start to change your own narrative. It's super empowering and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. But first, I'm going to give you some updates. So super exciting news. I am bringing back Elevate. This is my signature climbing coaching program. This is what made Lady Beta Lady Beta. And I'm so excited because this was one of the first programs specifically for women that combine not only training, but nutrition, mindset, super important, and hormone balancing all from a female specific point of view. So you really get all of that information tailored to you. There are six mindset modules, three nutrition modules, two modules on hormone balancing, and one to tie it all together. And there are so many bonus interviews. We have interviews about technique and footwork. We have interviews about nutrition from a nutritionist. I know you're absolutely going to love it. And there will be an option to add in a training plan so that throughout the 12 weeks of the program, you can get even stronger and really start to use all of those tools, implement everything and see how strong you can get in 12 weeks. It's honestly incredible how fast those gains start to come when you actually start doing all of this work and really changing things in your climb. So I will put the link for that in the show notes. You can join the waitlist to be the first to know when it launches. It's going to be the 28th. So next Friday, May 28th, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out. And I'm really excited because this will be on sale for $200 off. And I'm super excited to relaunch this as a totally self-paced program. So that means that you can take as little or as long as you want with this course. The material is yours to keep forever. And it's gonna be at a lower price point because of that. And I am so excited. I've had over 60 women at this point go through this course, whether it was when I was running it one-on-one or as a group program. And I know this material works. I know it's exactly what people have wanted and needed. And I've really been able to see a lot of transformation in my clients because of it. So super pumped to put that program out and really excited for you guys to listen to this interview with Sammy and let's go ahead and get on into it. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today we have Sammy here and I am so excited that we are going to be talking about all things self-love, self-care, what those actually mean. I think it's going to be really interesting for you guys to actually learn what those mean. We're going to be talking a lot about language, um, the language that we use about ourselves, the stories that we tell about ourselves, and we're really going to be diving deep into how those affect us and how those might be affecting how we show up in our daily lives. So Sammy, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell my audience a little bit more about you. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Uh, So hi, I'm Sammy Sadikario. I am a certified life coach, nutrition coach, and all-around self-love coach. I work primarily with creative people, but I would also argue that everyone is creative. (laughs) You just got to pull it out of you. Um, A little bit of my backstory. Uh, I always find it funny to tell my story because I always feel like Right now, I feel like I'm in the middle of my origin story. You know, I'm a year into coaching. I have a solid base of clients and I'm really just figuring out who I am as a person. But my background is I was 
actually an actress um, going down the musical theater train. I was headed toward Broadway and I really just hated myself. Um, hated everything I was doing. I hated myself. I had a lot of ugly self-talk, a lot of, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. People don't like me. I need to change who I am for people to like me. And that showed up in my health. That showed up in the way I ate. It showed up in my lack of training and my lack of passion. And I was really just burning the candle at both ends. I got a job out West singing on a cruise on the Columbia Gorge. So between Oregon and Washington. And I saw Mount Hood and I said, hmm, I'm never going back to New York. <laughs> so immediately fell in love with the mountains, came out here. And it was very easy for me because I started to get in touch with myself more to change the way I ate, change the way I was moving. Um, and then COVID hit and I had already worked to get my nutrition certification um, the whole year before. COVID hit and I took all of my money and invested it into my business, all of my money, everything I had every dime and said, I'm making a coaching business happen because more me, more people need to know that all they need to do is love themselves more and everything else will happen. So about four months into COVID, I came across this magical methodology called story work. And this is actually the first time I'm talking about this, Chelsea, I, um, I, because I'm building these new programs. But at the time that I discovered story work, which is really releasing victim mentality, releasing the fact that we don't have, re releasing the opinion that we don't have control over our lives because we do have control. You just got to find it and take it. And with language, I can show you exactly how to do that. And at the same time that I was learning all these wonderful methodologies to take control of my life and love myself more and, and uh, release traumas. Cause a lot of this is trauma work as well. I found myself in the middle of a narcissistic abusive relationship. So while, and this is the part that I'm, this is the first time talking about it. So that's exciting for me while I was learning how to use language for myself and for my clients, I was, also using it to sort through gaslighting, this method that I um, have taken onto my own and made it my own and I've just fallen in love with. So now I'm also working with a lot of women who experience gaslighting, more than women, I'm working with men now too, people of all genders um, to get out, some, get out the traumas, turn them down, turn up the winds, turn up the self-love and really understand how to take traumatic experiences and find solace in them and empowerment through them. I love that. That is such, thank you for sharing your story. Like, honestly, I'm such a fan of it because it gives people a place to land. You know, it really lets us know like we're not alone, even though during those times it feels so isolating and you're like, I just like feel like I can't talk to anybody about these things. So gosh, there's so many directions that I want to go. First one that we'll go just to like, so everybody knows, you mentioned that you think everybody is creative. But so for me, for example, I never thought I was creative whatsoever. I did route setting and that was like, for me, my one creative thing that I thought I had. And then when I started coaching, I was like, you know what? I actually am really creative, but it's more in the sphere of I can create programs. And it's not the typical like drawing that you might think of. So from your definition, like who are the types of people that you work with? What are the types of things that you kind of consider to be creative? Oh gosh. So I actually, it's funny. I always 
put that I work with creative people, but I think it's the more I get to know what I'm doing even more, I realize that it's that I help people use creativity to move through life. So we, I teach my clients to use bullet journaling and certain journaling methods. Um, and the reason why I use bullet journaling is because I want them to get rid of perfectionism and to mess up and get really messy and have fun with it, which is also creative. Mm-hmm. So it's about using different parts of your brain to get, um, and your body, checking with your body as well during that. So, I mean, my favorite people to work with, um, I would say, are the ones that take the story work that we do and implement it in other creative ways. So one of my clients, one of the things we're working on is we're writing a children's book. So she's taking all of the lessons that she's learned about her trauma. She's years and years of trauma and she's taking her son's voices and then making it to children's children's book using the language games that we play. The I call it a one word game. Um, where we take a sentence and we want and we make it one word to turn it into a strong affirmation that relate that comes from something you're already saying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if that if that makes sense to just explain in that way, it does. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Um, so I actually find you so creative. I was just saying, like, because I was showing my friend uh, your website, and I was like, I love her creativity with her coaching. So that's really funny that you bring that up. Um, everybody has the ability to be creative. The way we make sandwiches is creative. The way you make your coffee is creative. Um, the way you're going to like get down with your bath routine is going to be creative. Uh, it's how you look at it. I love that. Yeah. It honestly just gives you so much permission because yeah, I was always so jealous of people that like could draw really well. And I had just this super narrow definition of creativity and to just like be able to open that up and for you to say like, yeah, everybody's creative. So I really want to dive into, let's talk a little bit about stepping out of victimhood. So for me, this is something that like, I love talking about this subject and I think it can be really triggering for people that maybe you're not in the place to hear it yet, or you're super resistant to it because yeah, like sometimes it sucks to be like, you know what, this, this is my fault or I need to take, you know, radical responsibility for the role that I played in getting to this place. And that can be really hard for people. So tell me a little bit more about that and kind of some of the story work that you start to do in the language shifts that you make. Absolutely. So victim mentality, victimhood, this idea that it is a a repeating pattern that seeing like the world is out to get us. Um, And the thing is, is so a little bit about the reticular activating system. It's the data filter in your brain called the RAS. And what you think is what you'll see. So for example, um, now that I'm a climber, I see climbers and like signs of climbers everywhere because I'm looking for it. When I bought, um, when I decided I wanted to buy a van, I started to see white vans everywhere. So when we see failures, when we see, when we want to see failures, we will see more failures. When we want to see successes, we will see more successes. I imagine that I'm you know, I listen to everything you talk about with brain rewiring and it's similar in that way, you know, of, of retraining your brain, retraining your nervous system to see the good things, to see the successes. So what we do with story work is we take a trauma, little T trauma, big T trauma. It works with everything. And I do this by myself. I do this. Every one of my clients, the first time they hear this, they're like, okay, this sounds a little woo woo. And then they do it. And they're like, holy what? I had no idea. I've been holding it in my body this whole time. 
it's really exciting. I got a voice memo from one of my clients this morning saying that for the first time, she was able to tell this story of a medical trauma without crying. She was able to tell somebody else about it. And she, it, it's, it's still there, but it's not, it's not her, she's not repeating it in her head the same way every time to the point where it's holding her back. So what we do with a story, we take a trauma, we take a memory and we title it like a movie. So we all have titles of memories like, oh, that time I fell down the staircase of the Eiffel Tower, which is funny now that I say it out loud. Um, I love stairs. And then we write it out conversationally. I would, it was raining and I was with my mom and I was skipping down the Eiffel Tower and I slipped down the stairs and it was really embarrassing and this happened and that happened. So we write it out like that. That's step one. Step two is we read it out loud. Step three is we read it out loud at 50% speed. So slow it down. Because when we have a triggering memory, we rush through. Step four is we read it at 50% speed with a deep breath, deep belly breath at every punctuation mark. And we exhale the memory from our bodies. And I know for my traumas, the first time I did it, I was like, I, I, you know, I was in therapy for so many years and this was the first time I felt like I had a tool that I could take with me. And so my goal is to share this tool with as many people as possible because it's so powerful and you do have control to rewrite your story. Mm -hmm. It's, it's super empowering. Yeah. When you were talking about like, um, kind of acting as if the world were out to get you, I was like, oh my God, that was me. Like literally I was like such an, I don't want to say like negative Nancy, but I was like so pessimistic. Like everything was just like, it happened to me, poor me. Like why'd that happen to me? And I just like, you know, I just kept repeating that pattern. And then obviously confirmation bias sets in and you're like, well, no, like my life does suck. Everything bad happens to me because that's the thing that you're looking for so okay when you're working with clients I love that you have this method and you're able to title it as a movie and it kind of introduces that creative like playful element too and I think you know really having them read it and slow it down you're kind of asking that person to like look at the things that you're saying like is this what you want your story to be like is this how you want to show up and appear in the world that is such a good point. Look at what you're saying. One of the things that I, I've started to do now with my clients is, so we do this all over Google Docs. We call it interactive journaling and while we're on Zoom. And what I've started to do in the past month is as they're talking, I'm just typing what they're saying. And I'll be like, hey, look at the Google Doc. And they're like, I said that? I said that about myself? So we so often are not even hearing the words that we're saying to ourselves. And that's out loud. So there's so much going on underneath the surface that we're saying silently, quietly, that we're not even realizing over and over. So I teach people about their language patterns. Um, there's one that I, what I'm working on right now is sorry. I say sorry a lot. Um, and somebody I'm traveling with right now, cause I'm on the road. Um, she said to me, don't be sorry, be sexy. So I started um, replacing sorry with sexy. So every time I say sorry, I'll just be like, oh, excuse me, sexy. <laughs> You're like, oh, right. I will say that less. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's just one thing. Another thing one of my clients says all the time is, I don't know. And I, you know, once we got, we moved through her stories of where does the, I don't know, come from? Where does the, the, you can't trust your own gut, your own intelligence comes, where does that come from? And once we move through that, then we're able to give the homework of this week, just notice, just notice when you say, I don't know. And then the week after that, it was replace, I don't know, with I'll find out. So every time she would say, I don't know, she'd be like, I'll find out. I'll find out. And two days ago, she sent me a, a message saying, now that I have such a belief in myself, the possibilities are endless. And I don't even know what I want to do with my life because all of a sudden, I, there's so much more that I can do. And I was like, now we get to have fun. Mm-hmm. Now we get to have fun with setting goals and making them strong goals and putting it on the calendar. Yes. So homegirl is doing a whole bunch of stuff. And that's oh exciting. my gosh. Oh, that's so exciting to hear. Yeah. For, as like a fellow coach, I'm like, yes, like that's all we ever want for our clients is for them. It's like those those little moments, but they're huge. They're life changing. And it's from all the work and really like, you know, the willingness to, to be vulnerable with other people and to say in the first place, like, Hey, I need to hire somebody to help me with this because something that I'm really noticing too, and something that I try actively to get out of. And I, I hire coaches all the time is kind of like that push through it, just be fine, show up, do the thing mentality. And then what all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, you're in like a puddle on the floor. Cause you're like, I just tried to do the thing and I can't. So tell me a little bit about kind of, you know, we have big T, little T trauma. When would somebody start to do this process? Like, I know for me, when I'm in the middle of something, this is the last thing that I want to do. So I I need a little bit of time still to like start to process. So when would you suggest somebody start something like this? Ooh, um, the thing is with this method, methodology, the sooner you start, the sooner you feel better the sooner you start, the more, the more you'll have in your life. Now you can use it with something that's going on in the moment. So I knew I was going through a trauma. I and I said to my coach, to my mentor, I said, Hey, what do you do when you're going through the trauma rather than, um, releasing a trauma from years and years ago? And his argument is that, and I, I want to find another word for argument. His point is that, <laughs> the words we say matter, right? Um, is that there's something earlier that happened that's now affecting you and making it a stronger trauma. So different people who use this methodology have different ideas around that. I like to use this for something that's happening today as like a, like a, a, for example, I worked through with one of my clients, she's having workplace issues. So I said, I was like, write out what happened, what's going down. Let's write that down. So that way she's not repeating it in her her head over and over and over again. And it's like sucking her dry and the Mm -hmm. rumination. This is really amazing for anybody who ruminates. Um, And I'm raising my hand at that because I ruminate as well. You got to get it out. Like, yeah, it's that nebulous thing that just stays up there. And you're like, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, getting it out. Exactly. Yeah. So step one. Um, And then figuring out what happened earlier in life that's making this so intense for you. Where did somebody do something that you felt was unjust or unjust. And that's why you're fighting so hard for it now. Um, That's what happened with her. Now, you know, when you're stuck in a story, when you're stuck in 
for example, one story a lot of people, I find from a lot of people is, um, is actors don't make money. Artists don't make money. You know, that's a story. Somebody told you that. Climbing coaches don't make money. Yeah, exactly. And there's plenty of climbing coach or it's, it's hard to, or, or coaching is too saturated. That's a story. Mm-hmm. That's a story. So we want to break down those stories, change those stories. Um, and if you're not ready to get out of it, if you're not ready to let it go, then there, I mean, there's nothing you can do. I have plenty of people that I talk to. I try to, you know, I, I book a lot of sales calls. I'm always getting on sales calls. Um, and I have a lot, I meet a lot of people who just aren't ready yet. They really want to stay stuck. And it's not my job as a coach to convince them it's time to change. They have to be ready to change. And I'm here with the tools. Yep. Yep. You're just there to facilitate, you know, essentially, and kind of going back to what you said previously, like you're really just showing them what they're saying. Like, I truly believe all of my clients have the answers. Like they just need to be asked the right questions. They need me to hold space for them. You know, they need to be able to talk it out and process and be like, you're the mirror as the coach and you just get to reflect back. And then what they do with that information and knowledge is on them. So I really love this topic of people not being ready to make a change. So for you on your side, what do you typically see as like, why is somebody not ready? Are they just afraid to let that story go? Are they afraid of change? This is really interesting that you asked this, Chelsea. Um, the biggest reason that I'm finding a lot of people are afraid to change is because they're afraid of what in their life will change when they change. Uh, the more, so the reason I'm, I'm, I'm moving through my own imposter syndrome and my own, um, fears around telling my story right now. So that's why I, I made myself the promise that I would talk about it today. Um, so, uh, but I, it's because a lot of women and a lot of people are coming to me. I have not told my story yet on social media and they're coming to me with similar stories. So something I'm saying is resonating with people. Now, a lot of those people don't want to change because they know that as soon as they love themselves more, they will lose people. They, the way they see it is they will lose people in their lives. I'm, you know, I would love to get to the point where I can guide them to find to see that it's not that you will lose them. It's that they will lose you and you will find you. Um, so that's the biggest thing that I see from people who don't want to change yet is that they're afraid of what will be different in their life because they know that they're keeping themselves stuck. Now, when I'm as a, you know, talking about like coaching business a little bit, you know, part of having a great sales call is getting somebody to a place of abundance and joy in their life is getting them to see the vision of joy. But if they're so stuck in fear, it can be difficult to get them there. So one thing like I'm working on guiding people toward a stronger place of joy to sign up with me. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, for me, I've been really doing a lot of research and taking courses on like ethical marketing. And yeah, like we don't like we don't want people to sign up from a disempowered place because they feel like this is the only place they can get their solution or that, you know, if they don't do it, then something bad is going to happen. Like, yeah, I want people to work with me because they're like so excited to be there. And because they're excited for the potential and the possibility. I'm really glad we, we talked about that because that for me is I see that all the time. People just aren't ready. You know, they they come tell me like, I'm so excited to start this business. And like, I have all these ideas and then there's just nothing. It's just straight up fear. They don't know. It's the fear of the unknown, you know, like how is my life going to change and be different? And ultimately, like if you can start to rewrite that story and you know, that as a limiting belief of itself and really say, you know what, like that's not happening to me. I'm not losing those people. That's actually happening for me to be really protective and probably because they don't need your access to your energy anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And what's really beautiful about starting my own business, about being a one-on-one coach right right now, as I move toward my group, um, is that I handpick all my clients. I'm interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me because I will only work with people who are ready to change. And I will only work with people. I give a lot of my energy to my clients. It's a VIP program. They have, they have full access to me via Voxer. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of energy and I care deeply about them. So I only take on people who I really want to work with. That being said, in my opinion, there's only two reasons why somebody does not invest in themselves with me. One, they don't think I can help them or two, they don't think they can help themselves. So it's one of the two there. Typically it's the latter. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I would even argue the first one is the second one, because for me, I'm fully confident, you know, in the the results and the transformations I provide. And a lot of the times people are like, well, I'm just not sure it's going to work. And that's really just their own belief in, in themselves to make it happen. You know, like ultimately we provide all the tools, but it's up to the client always to implement. And, you know, just like you, I'm like, yeah, I put so much energy into my clients and I like love the shit out of them. But at the end of the day, yeah, if you're just not ready to release that, or if you're not ready to take that next step because this shit's scary. Like investing is scary. Overcoming trauma is scary. Like it's scary to be anything than where you're at right now. Exactly. And overcoming trauma is really scary because we hold it as part of our, our identity. And that's so much of what the work is. And, all, and I asked my clients last week, what's been the most useful training that I've given you? And they all say it's the identity training. It's rewriting who we are and then matching our behaviors and actions to that new identity. And that's how you're able to go from like couch potato to climber is I'm a climber. What does a climber do? Mm-hmm. Trains, climbs, eats well, etc. Um, So, I mean, I have one client who, when we started working together, she was like, I'm so depressed. I'm having trouble doing the basics, like washing my face. So we created an identity document of like, I am somebody who has great hygiene. And when she thinks every time she's like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed and wash my face, brush my teeth. She imagines that identity and that's what gets her to go there. And it comes from, once again, that place of abundance, that place of joy, that place of self-love, not like, oh, you're so gross. Go wash your face. Different things. 
Right. Yeah. No, we're not shaming or guilting because we know that's not sustainable. Um, yeah, I really resonate with that. And for me, it took a long time to release some of those stories about my identity because I realized I was still so wrapped up in like the poor me. And I just like wanted the attention. I wanted people to feel bad for me. And I wanted, you know, it's like that reassurance. Um, for me, I tie that back to I'm the oldest of four kids. So it's not that I didn't get attention growing up, but it was split, you know, like there's, there's a lot of us there and we were all like very, very close in age. So for me, once I kind of identified that, I was like, oh shit, okay, yeah, I'm probably ready to let these stories go. And also on the flip side of that, like if you're feeling like you're not getting attention, are you paying attention to yourself? Because that's where it's always going to stem from. Damn, exactly. And that's, so when we play a language game, so we do all the story work, we release trauma. The magic happens when I take a sentence someone says and I turn it back to themselves. So exactly like what you just said, no one is paying attention to me. If you're listening to this podcast, write that down. Go write that down. Go look at the words. Homework right now. No one is paying attention to me. And cross out no one and put an I. I am not paying attention to me. And then we take out the negations and we make it, I can pay more attention to me. And then when I work through it would be, I can pay more attention to me by dot, 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 make a list. What are the ways I can pay more attention to myself? It's so simple and so effective. Yes. Oh my gosh. And this leads perfectly into talking about self-care and self-love too. I'm thinking about one of my amazing clients um, and she asked me the other day, she's like, but how do I self-care? Please don't just tell me to take a bubble bath. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I won't. Uh, um, so talk to me a little bit about that, what you have your clients do and what your definition of it is. Yes. So my definition of self-care is doing something today to make your tomorrow easier. So for me, often self-care is taking the time to organize my stuff because I'm not, I am working to be a more organized person. And so when I take that time and which is for me, I know that my tomorrow will be easier. Um, when I take the time to stretch before bed, I know I will sleep better and my tomorrow will be easier and I'll climb better and I'll work better. Um, meal prepping makes my tomorrow easier. Um, journaling my thoughts, journaling my fears, journaling my trepidations. Um, that makes my tomorrow easier. Uh, taking a bubble bath makes my right now easier. You know, that's so it, that like the, this, standard form of self-care that we're seeing all over Instagram and TikTok totally does is part of it, but it's not the whole picture. Um, self-care, care of the self. So what else can we do to take care of ourselves? We can face ourselves, really face ourselves. So once again, digging into that identity, digging into the stories that we're telling ourselves. Um, you know, I keep thinking like, like, getting the traumas out of our body, such a strong form of self-care, especially for a society, we are so out of touch with our bodies. We're so in our minds. Um, so finding the stories and figuring out where they're living in our bodies and letting go of them. Is it scary? At first, totally. But then it's done and it's gone and you feel better. And that is caring for yourself. 
Yeah. And you're hopefully not repeating those patterns continuously. And like, that's why for me, once I start to recognize those patterns, I'm like, no wonder this is the outcome that I got. Like there's, there's no other possible outcome when that's, that's the thing that I keep repeating. And I think you gave just a perfect definition. It's whatever makes your tomorrow easier. And we all have, we all know it. Like if you sat down and you were truly like, what makes my life easier Um, for me right now, it's like ordering like frozen, super healthy meals that I can put in my freezer because like I just am right now not prioritizing cooking. Um, It's not that I don't have time. It's just not a priority. So for me, that looks a lot like self-care. And I really want to talk about too. So let's say somebody is working on releasing trauma. And I would, I would argue for me anyway, personally, it's a pretty like I get super tired. I'm like, I just need like life to pause and like for things to just like slow down. Do you find that to be true for a lot of your clients? Well, I actually find that a lot of my clients are more energized when they do this work. Um, and that's because they're breathing more. So a lot of this is tied to breath work. A lot of this is tied to, but like I said, step four is breathing through the story. Um, I was thinking the other day, I wish that I had a program to show my clients how are they breathing on session one to session 10. Um, and we don't even do any breath work. Like I don't assign breath work in any way. It's just, they naturally start breathing better. So they're getting more oxygen. So they have more energy. Now, right after you release the trauma, you breathe through it, you might be super drained. And that's totally fair. So one of the homework assignments I give is go on one 45-minute walk with no devices. Take off your watch. Take off anything that emits any kind of frequency. Go outside and be present. This is a huge, a, a, a beautiful practice. It's incredibly energizing. If you can't go outside or whatever it is, for some reason, the walk isn't good. The other option is to have a three minute dance party. Yes. I love it. So I'm excited. We actually have a homework assignment of how to find a song. That's like your, your corner man song, the song you walk out to, like when you're on your way into the, into the ring. And, and uh, um, we have a dance party and we're moving our bodies, getting blood flowing, getting the the tension out, um, getting the excess out in order to breathe in the new. And I do find that that really helps with the with the low energy um, when the low energy is not related to you know like sleeping and how right. we're eating, etc. Right, right, yeah. Like take care of those basic things first. I need to do a dance party. Then um, I did that. I think it was like either two or three weeks ago with my group brain rewiring program. We were like dancing to manifest things in. And I was like, that was probably the most fun Zoom session I've ever had. I was like, yeah, highly recommend. Just like drop whatever you're doing. You now have two homework assignments from Sammy. <laughs> now you need to dance. Um, I love that. I really love giving homework. Can you tell? <laughs> Same. And I'm always like, you you don't have to do it, but like you you probably should do it because it's gonna be helpful for you. But also I know I understand you're not five. So do what you will with it. Well, I find that anybody who's coming to me has trouble taking their own advice so they can get homework from me, but they can't like keep themselves accountable yet. Yet. That's part of the process. Um, So I do give a lot of homework and I'm like, whether somebody, so I always do a 20 minute initial call before I I do two, I do two um, complimentary calls before working with anybody. The 20 minutes is to kind of see if we even vibe. Um, and to see what's going on. And I always give homework. 
I don't, I, even if I don't offer the longer call, even if we never work together, they always get homework. Cause I'm like, I want you to get something out of this. I want you to get value. I want you to help yourself. So I find that to be really important because people are seeking help for a reason. Yep. Yep. And you do need those actionable steps. I mean, that's step number one from, you know, victim mindset to the actionable part is like, can you do this thing to get the ball rolling? Yes, exactly. Good point. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. So tell me a little bit more. So you are one-on-one right now, primarily, but you're launching a group program. So the core language upgrade, talk to me a little bit about that. As a fellow entrepreneur, I'm like, yes, groups are the future. I love it so much. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, this, this happened as a, this was a homework assignment for me from my mentor. He's like, okay, now do your own group language, core language upgrade. And I was like, ah, I'm not ready. What do I do with it? And then my, my client sent me a bunch of wins and I'm like, all right, Sammy, get out of your own way because people need your help. Um, and one thing somebody said to me, and I know, cause I know a lot of coaches listen to your podcast as well, is people are waiting for you to show up. So that really hit me. And especially with all the people who are reaching out to me, getting out of toxic relationships, I was like, it's time. Group core language upgrade. So it's going to be a five-week program. Um, and the only reason it's five weeks is because we're going to take a week off for the 4th of July. We downbeat June 15th. So that is the first day. There will be pre-homework. But we're going to be finding out what's keeping you stuck, what language you're using to keep yourself stuck. We're going to be giving ourselves permission to get unstuck and permission to enjoy life. And we're going to be focusing on the projection language, our all or nothing language, our, um, and the the ways that our language affects us in the workplace, in the home and within ourselves. And it's just going to be rocking. I'm really excited to play. I've been doing, I've, so I've switched over into doing one group call a week with my one-on-one clients to get more comfortable teaching groups. And I found out that I love it. (laughs) I have so much fun. Um, And this is where I find that a lot of my clients realize that they're not alone because they think that they're the only one going through this. And that's isolating for them. So once they see all these other people that are having similar struggles, oh my God, oh my God, I can do this. This is great. So I'm really excited for this core language upgrade. It's going to be, uh, we're also going to do one, everyone's going to get one story work session where we dig into traumas. We release those traumas and we bring in, as I say, we turn down the drama and we turn up the good. Yes. Love it. I love that. Yeah. So I'm really excited for it. Um, like I said, that launches June 15th and I'm building a landing page for it right now to make it easier. But until then you can just find me on Instagram to learn more about it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. We were talking that, about that before we jumped on and yeah, I was like, if I could never make another landing page, which hopefully eventually I'll be, uh, offloading that onto, onto a person that loves building landing pages because they'll make it look better than I ever could. But I'll link everything about the group program in the show notes for today's podcast. I'll link where you can find Sammy on Instagram as well. And is there anything else that you want to share before we hop off? This I think is going to be really, really good and really helpful for people. Oh gosh, there's so much to share. Um, the biggest thing that I just want to say to people is you have the power. You have the power, you have the fire. It's what decisions you make to believe that that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are people waiting for you to show up. 
Yes. Even if you're not a coach as anything, as anything, as a mom, as a sister, people are waiting for you to heal. People are waiting for you to show up. And guess what? The little inner child in you, the little you is also waiting for you to show up. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, yeah, you're the only one that can save the day for yourself. Like it, it it can't be anybody else. And I mean, I really love what you said about like, you already have it. Like it, it's not outside of you. It's currently with inside of you. And the longer you wait to heal, I mean, ultimately the longer the world is going to take to heal. Like this, the work starts with us. Like we can't do any work outside of that until we start taking those steps. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's so being able to, so climbing has become like my, my moving meditation. As we all know, everybody who falls in love with it, it's removing meditation. It's when you can take that feeling you have on the wall and put it in your everyday life. That is contentment. That is peace. And being able to put yourself first so that you can find the peace and become your shiniest, brightest self. That's when everything will expand for you. That's when you will lift off. And for me, that's what story work did. And so I know it's my mission. It is my dharma. It is my purpose to give as many story work sessions as possible to raise the vibration of this planet. Yes. Oh my God. I'm like up here with my, like raise the roof hands. Um, Y'all can't see because we're on a an audio interview. But yeah, I'm really excited because we do need people to do this work. And I think it's so important too. like, I know you don't only work with climbers, but it's so helpful to have somebody that just understands the sport like it is. For me, um, I absolutely loved my first business coach, but you know, she didn't know about climbing. So I was like, how do I even create a program? And I was just like, so lost with all of those little details and having somebody to just like, soundboard off of and talk to that like actually gets the weird intricacies of our sport. Sport, like it's such a relief. Absolutely. And I would say that's really vital for your business mentors in general um, is finding somebody who you connect with because building your business, these kinds of businesses, is so, it's so vulnerable. And I love, I mean, I love everything you put out, Chelsea. I follow you religiously. So <laughs> I'm honored. So it's, but it's cool to, to have that connection, especially like right now I'm living out of my car and nomading to climb and work. So like, I know that the next program or the next mentorship I invest in right now, I'm doing a lot of self-development. Um, but when I get back from my business stuff, it will, I know I will be aiming for working with somebody who gets that, mm-hmm. who gets like, Hey, like I actually only want to work some weeks, 10 to 20 hours because I'm driving a lot right now. I'm, I'm taking this podcast from my car I'm <laughs> on my way to Mount Shasta. Um, but, um, but I also know that some weeks I'll have to put in 40 to 60 hours to make that happen. So um, I think that with any coach or any mentor, and I've invested $20,000 in two business mentors over the past year, like I know the value of investing in myself. Um, it's finding somebody that you connect with and who gets you. Yeah. But also as a mentor and as a coach, it's our job to know that we are that person for that client. The client doesn't know. We need to know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's that interview process where, yeah, I love this. I love that we can talk about both, um, you know, like business and uh, what you do for clients. It just like, it lights me up because obviously I'm all about the business side of things, but you know, I really love giving people transformations and results. Like that's, that's really at the core of everything that we do. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope that this was really helpful for people. Again, I'll put everything so that you guys can find Sammy with the link in the show notes. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to her. If you want to tag us, 
in your stories when you listen to this episode. We'd love to see it because this is a conversation that I always want to have, but it is honestly so much easier to have it with somebody else. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me, Chelsea. And thank you to everybody who listens to Lady Beta. Happy to be here. Aw, thank you. Thanks for listening to the episode. And I was so excited to have Sammy on. She did such an awesome job with this interview and really giving us so much information on how to empower ourselves through writing and rewriting our own stories and really taking a look at the language that we've been using. So again, I'll link everything in the show notes to where you can find Sammy and tag us in your stories when you listen to this. I absolutely love seeing that you're enjoying the show. And if you haven't already, I know there are quite a lot of you out there that have not yet left a rating and a review for the podcast. I would so appreciate if you went and did that. It literally takes probably less than a minute and it helps me out a lot. It helps to boost my rankings in iTunes and it helps other people find the show. Also, if you are able to and you want to send it to a friend, that is like word of mouth is for a small business. It's honestly, like it's priceless. So super appreciative when you share with people in the DMs, if you are posting about it on your stories, like it really helps me so much. So if you haven't done those things, I would so appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I'll talk to you next episode.